Okay, guys, welcome back to the Pharos Fit Podcast. Uh, great to be back with you guys. Thanks for listening in. We are sitting here today on Inauguration Day. Happy Inauguration Day, everybody. Uh, and I'm super proud and very excited to be sitting here with Russ, uh, aka Ryan Russell. Um, a member here at Ferris Athletic Club, but um, also has an incredible story, a uh, professional football player um, with a, you know, with an amazing story. And, and I, I got I to gotta start off with this. I... Um, we were in here one morning, 6 a.m., <clears throat> build classes when we when we used to have build classes indoors back in the days when we could train inside gyms. And um, we're on some kind of squat cycling. You know, me and a couple of guys were like really proud of like building up to like 315 or whatever it was for a few reps. I turned to my left and Russ is over there <laughs> just squatting 405. Boom, boom, boom. Just for just 20 reps at 405 or whatever it was. But it was it was an incredible, it was an incredible sight. And at that at that point, I didn't really know your story, Russ. I didn't know, really know your background or anything. So, you know, I learned all this afterwards. But it was a, it was like, oh my god, who is this guy? <laughs> I gotta, I gotta meet this dude. So, thank you so much for taking time today. I, I'm so glad you uh, you could make it in today. It's 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 a real a real honor for us to do this. Uh, and happy inauguration day. How are you? How are you feeling? It's, it's... I'm good. I'm ready to go celebrate. Yeah. I feel like I mean all of the stress and just um, anxiety and worry that have like built up over these past four years that you kind of forget about. You kind of like get comfortable living in chaos. Um, all that's kind of been lifted, and there's yeah. like this big exhale. And I just feel. I think you said today. I feel like lighter today and just good. I feel ready to attack these next. Whatever's next. Whatever's next. Yeah. I think I think we, we sometimes underestimate that kind of like general stress that kind of that general anxiety that just sits on us. Yeah. And day after day after day it just like builds and builds and builds and we, we don't notice it, but when it goes away it's like, Oh my God. It's gone. Yeah. I mean people live like that, you know, in kind yeah. of jobs they don't like or like right. in towns they don't really feel comfortable in or whatever it might be and you just yeah you kind of feel like whether either you deserve it or just things won't change or this is just like how it is and it's like no it doesn't have to be like this yeah. you deserve to like just yeah. be happy <laughs> yeah. so let's uh let's kind of go back to the beginning uh for those of you that don't know uh russ uh went to played football uh, college football at purdue mm-hmm. uh went from purdue to the dallas cowboys right yep. after that from yeah. dallas cowboys in 2015 yeah, draft yeah. in 2015. Uh, then on to Tampa Bay 2016-2017 season, then on to the Bills in yeah. 2018. Yeah. And then you moved to LA after that. But mm-hmm. let's go all the way back to Purdue. <laughs> let's let's oh, oh, earlier than that if you want earlier. to. Tell us tell us the story because it's, it's the an story. story. Yeah, What's there's the story of Russ. Oh my god. Um <laughs> <laughs> the story of Russ. I was born in Buffalo, New York. Um, oh, you were born in Buffalo. I was born in Buffalo. Oh, I so I was like born into just like blizzards and like the Bills, you know, losing three Super Bowls and just all types of craziness. But they're um, doing pretty well now. Shout out to them now. Yeah, yeah they're doing awesome. <laughs> uh, I lost my my biological father wasn't in my life at this time. I had a stepfather that was raising me and we lost him in a motorcycle accident when I was seven. Um, so my mom being just the amazing woman that she is and like the fighter that she is, she's like, OK, we're going to start over. We're going to pick up. We're going to move to Dallas. Her sister was living there, my aunt at the time. And we're just going to get a fresh start. She'd heard good things. Dallas has great education. Dallas has, you know, sports and great schools and um, all these great things, which Dallas. Yeah, that's true. So <laughs> we moved to Dallas when I was seven. Um, and of course, that's when I didn't initially fall in love with football, but I was introduced to football. Right. Everyone wanted me to play some type of sport. You can't not in Dallas, right? I was like tall and, you know, Dallas, I tell people Dallas is like church and football. Right. Period. That's it. Like, 
you go to church on Sunday early, you get and eat, and then you go sit in front of a TV and you watch football. Like guys would just drive hours to go like see high school games. Like it's the level is of fandom and just love there is crazy. So uh, I moved to Dallas. I actually don't start playing football until high school. Oh, um, okay. Just being with a single mother, I as soon as I could work, I did. You know, I was trying to help with bills and just help. I was growing, so I was also like eating a lot. So I was yeah. like, trying to help. I was going to say, uh, you're a big guy now. Were you, were you always big? I was or? always, I was tall for right. sure. I was definitely lanky, but I was just like a bottomless pit. Like, you know, when, I mean, I mean, that's most guys. Like, you hit puberty and you just start yeah. eating. Yeah. So then if you put on top of that being like six foot at like the age of like, I think like 13, 14, I hit like six foot. Wow. Um, yeah, it's crazy. So I was, I was consuming so much food. Uh, that I was like, you know, I want to help my mom with bills. She finally got to a place um, when I was in high school where she got a really good job around my junior year. And she was like, you know, I she's like, you want to play sports. You want to play football like you want to make the most of your time in high school. And uh, you should. And football started just as kind of like a passion thing for me. I was like, I just like it. Um, I didn't realize, of course, like I was kind of two to three inches taller than everyone. Or I was like mm-hmm. a little faster than everyone, a little stronger than everyone, like a little more athletic. And within my junior year, actually, I don't even get to play. I break my freaking wrist, like oh. the first scrimmage that we ever have. <laughs> then I come back six weeks later and I break my other hand. So then I have like two casts on and I don't get to play junior year. Um, senior year, I, of course, then go off. Like, I just go crazy. And that's when I'm realizing, like, not only do I love football, but football, like, kind of loves me back at this point. Like, I'm really killing it. And scouts are starting to come and coaches are starting to talk to me about, you know, hey, the Baylor scout was here. The Texas Mm. scout was here. Um, so that senior year was everything for me. And I got, of course, like all district, all the state stuff. Um, even though as a team, we weren't that great. I went to like a new high school, but uh, football then becomes kind of a reality for me. I'm like, I can go to college. Like, I remember getting kind of that first scholarship offer and being like, oh, wow. Like, my mom's still paying student loans at that time. And it was like, I won't have to deal with that. Like, this is amazing. Um, but then, of course, there was a lot of, like, Texas was like, we recruit up to, like, sophomores. Like, we already have, like, three years of recruiting classes. The same with, like, Nebraska who came. The same with, like, um, Florida and all these other schools. So, like, you can come, but maybe we'll, like um, – you know, we'll we'll figure something out. Like you'll go to a JUCO close by or like you'll just take that first semester off and then come the next semester. They were trying to do all these things. And me just being like a freaking 17 year old kid who just like came off like this high of the season. I'm like, I'm the man. Like if you wanted me to be there, right. you would make it happen. Right. Um, and which is good. I made the right decision because knowing what I know now and kind of like the shadiness of the NCAA. Um, yeah, they definitely could have made that happen if right. they wanted to. Um, but Purdue comes around and. It's kind of like the best of both worlds. There's this perfect miss where Purdue was putting out a lot of NFL defensive ends um, right. at the time. They were putting out like Rob Ninkovich, Ray Edwards, um, Sean Phillips, Cliff Averill, uh, Ryan Kerrigan was a senior when I had just got there. And I was like uh, Roosevelt Colvin, who has NFL Super Bowl rings. And I was like, you know, if I, I want to have success in this position, this is a great place to be. And also Purdue had a great education. It was like one of the top um, schools. Right. Pretty much all all across the board, um, really known for engineering. So I was like, I'll get a good education. I'll play football. My mom be happy. I'll be good. And that was kind of just where my mind was. Uh, getting Purdue, I was a little skinnier than everyone, so I redshirted. I gained like 30, 40 pounds of like oh, wow. straight man. Oh, <laughs> shit. It was insane. How did you do that? Just I have food? no idea. I was eating nonstop. Like eating became a chore. I was like, I need to eat steak every night and I need to drink these shakes in between I need to do this and then I had never really worked out in high school like also starting football so late and kind of being good already like just having natural talent I didn't like 
weights. Right. I was like, I'm here to play football. Like, I'm not here to, to be a, a freaking bodybuilder. Yeah. Whatever. Like, I'm right. not here to do that. And I said that all the time. And the coaches would always fight me and they'd be like, you're going to regret this. And I'm like, mm, whatever. Uh, and then I came to college and I was like, oh, okay. Shit. I got <laughs> so you started weightlifting in college? I started, yeah. Right. I started really lifting weights and finding out like my legs were super strong. And, right. Like, you know, and did are... you grow quickly? Did your muscles grow quickly? Oh my God. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah. I've never. Like, my body was just hurting all the time because it was just, like, expanding. Like, right. crazy. Like, right. muscles in places I didn't know I had muscles. But that's why it's so good at that age, though, because you've got so much testosterone in your body and so much growth hormone, and you start training. It's just, like, you see results so quickly. <laughs> and it's like, I was eating shit. I mean, yeah. I was eating horribly. I was, you know, I was still, like, drinking. I would, like, yeah. come in hungover and, like, squat 500 pounds. Yeah. It's just, like, stuff where I'm, like, I can't imagine trying yeah. to do that today. You were, you were squatting heavy back then in college? I, I think... I might still hold the record. I don't know. It might have been broke now, but I, I had acquired the yeah the single rep max record for oh, squat, shit. and nice. I think for power clean, I was really good at like lower body. What was that? What was the things. squat? What was the number? Six fifty five. Six fifty five. Like yeah. At how old are you? Oh, at that time I was like nineteen, maybe when I hit that. Shit, six fifty six fifty five at nineteen people. Something crazy. <laughs> it was insane. And then I never won Rep Max again because I was right. like, why I would I do that? Yeah. Got the record. That's it. You made it. I was it. like, I'm good. Um, <laughs> so started as a, as a redshirt freshman. And that next year played, started all four years, got all conference honors, did some really great things, went to some bowl games, got Purdue kind of turned around there um, with football. And, and you were a defensive end at this point? Yeah. Right. And, and for, in case there's English people listening to this, I don't know what defensive end is. What is a defensive end? How do I explain it? I'm the guy that tries to sack the quarterback. Like, that's yeah. literally all I can think. Like, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, like, Aaron Rodgers, all these people y'all love, I try to, like, put them on their necks before yeah, they throw the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was awesome. So Purdue, I mean, I met some amazing friends there. Um, really, like, started also kind of, like, figuring out who I was as a person, which was a big thing. Just growing up in growing up in the Dallas, Texas, like, is great for a lot of reasons, but Dallas is also a very conservative state. It's a sure. very white state. It's a very, um, it's like part of the Christian Bible bell. It's very religious. Uh, so there's not really a lot of room for someone who looks like me basically. And, and, and is someone like me to really express themselves or be themselves fully or, or whatever it is. Right. Racism, uh, in general, I encountered, a lot through my just childhood in Texas and the things that saved me a lot of the time from being um, racially profiled or whatever it might be was the fact that I played football. Right. That was like the first thing I learned to say to people. Like if I right. get pulled over by a cop, it's like, Oh, I'm sorry, officer. I was just leaving practice. Like right. just straight off. Cause I'm like, they, you, they look at you differently. It's, it's like, they're like, Oh, okay. You, you play football. So that kind of like trumps anything else, which right. is crazy to just, think. But yeah. That's just how I was kind of trained. Um, so in college, getting away from that, I started kind of figuring myself out a little bit more, like what I liked outside of football, like right. who I like relationships, who I loved, what I wanted to be. My own sexuality came into like the sphere in college as well, which was a great journey. I'll sure. explain more about. Yeah. Uh, but while I'm doing all this and I'm like finding myself in football, it's just like this great thing that's giving me this education. Um, I have success yet again, and kind of the same thing. The coach does something like, "Hey, NFL scouts are here. Hey, guys are coming. Like, you know, make sure you're on time for this meeting. Like, I know you might be late other times, but you got to be here this time." And the possibility comes to mind, like, "Oh, shoot, I could play in the NFL. Like, I could pay my mom back for like all the sacrifices she's made. I could yeah. really like change kind of the whole 
arc of my family um, at this moment. And everything else kind of went on the backseat, whether it was art, whether it was writing, whether it was relationships, whatever it was, took a backseat. And I was like, the, I just need to focus on the NFL. Right. Um, at the time, it's funny, my, my senior year, my last season, I uh, witnessed an event that we, uh, probably a lot of people have seen. I see Michael Sam get drafted. And at the time, I was already kind of having questions of my sexuality or, like, experiences. And I just remember really being, one, scared for Michael Sam because I was like, this has never happened before. Like, there's right. never been, like, a gay football player out uh, and then enter the NFL or attempt to enter the NFL or anything. And I just was like, I don't know how this is going to work out. You just never, I don't know. To me, in my mind, to be the first at anything is like terrifying. Right, for sure, for sure. Because <laughs> you just don't know what you, yeah. what's going to happen. And yeah. Michaelson was an amazing college player, SEC, um, all defense player of the year, just like freaking a champion, just like a dog. And he comes out and goes to the NFL and doesn't make a regular season roster, um, even though I think he had like three sacks in the preseason. And like from what I saw on the outside, did pretty well. I mean, obviously, and you I'm think not. that was a factor why he wasn't? Uh, I don't know. I'm not in their yeah. locker room. I don't. I don't know. You know, kind of what the dynamic was. I don't mm. know how coachable he was. I know his athleticism came into question. I mean, there's a lot of things that that we've all kind of been told about why right. Michael Sam didn't uh, make it. Could it potentially be a factor? Of course. Like I'm not gonna. Right. Like if someone was like Michael Sam didn't make it partially because of this, I'd be like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Um, right. But for my own like career and my own thing, I was like, that's not an option. Like it's not an option for me to not make this roster for me to not have this career for me to not you know do what I love and make this money and and help my family so I get drafted in 2015 to go back to Dallas to play for the Cowboys and how did that feel to go back to your hometown oh my god it was insane first of all also just having a chip on my shoulder I got drafted in the fifth round I was like this is bullshit (laughs) this is absolute bullshit just because you see guys go early from like big schools and go early for like whatever reasons and I'm just like I was a, a little upset, but right. that was good because then you come in kind of with like pissed off already, right. and that like Something helps to prove. for football. Yeah, <laughs> but it was mm-hmm. insane. Like having Jerry Jones call me and just yeah. like me hear that like thick country accent like in my ear, and watching the TV and like seeing my name and coming back home and everyone everyone hit me up like we're can't wait to have you back. Also leaving like cold ass Indiana. So when you were, when you were in the draft, <laughs> you're watching the draft on TV. You're actually are you in the no, I, I was watching it on TV. You watched on TV. I right. was with my family. I was in Buffalo, actually, back in Buffalo, and just with family. I didn't want to have any friends really around. I didn't want to have like a little party because you just never know how that stuff goes. Like yeah. I know guys that that year that were supposed to go first round that never got called, and oh, it's shit. like you know, all, you got all these people around, and you kind of made this big deal about it, and now you look yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're, you're, you're sitting in the room, you're literally just looking at the phone, waiting for the phone to ring. Just waiting for just, it to ring. Oh and God. it's like, you tell everyone, don't call me. Like, just don't <clears> call Because <throat> yeah. you don't know. You don't know what area code it's going to be. You don't know who's right. going to. And I'm just like, don't call. Uh, and were you hoping for Dallas, or could it have been anybody? Or It could have been any. At the time, I was a huge Baltimore Ravens fan. Mm. And they actually did call me on the second day one of the coaches did to ask me a question and I'm not going to repeat the question because it was about another player. And I basically told him the same thing I'm telling y'all now, nothing. Right. And it kind of just pissed me off. Cause I was like, don't call me unless you're about to say my name. Right. Like, right. Right. This right, is right. Stupid. right. So right. that took my love for Baltimore immediately. But Baltimore was like when I fell in love playing, like watching defense and like playing defense. Cause you saw, I saw guys like um, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and all these great guys, Terrell Suggs who played a similar position to me. Uh, and just how they played football mm. and how aggressive they played it and how they freaking changed changed the game no matter who was the quarterback. No shade to, like, a Joe Flacco, but 
you know. Right. Um, so it was just, it was very, yeah, they, they were the reason I like really love defense. Um, so I wanted them, but once, once Dallas called, it was like Baltimore who, like, I don't care. Right. Like, I'm, right. I want to go, I want to yeah, wear yeah. the star and I, I want to have success. Uh, what else? Get to Dallas. Rookie year, of course, is always a struggle. I don't think people realize kind of the jump from, from college to, college to pros because it's like in the college especially before the championship system it was like in a great in a great world you play all your games you make it to a bowl game you win you might play 13 games you know max in the pros especially as a young guy you're going to play four preseason games you have like 16 regular season games then you want to make it to the playoffs you're already at 20 games you want to make it to the playoffs if you go the long route that's wild card that's divisional rounds that's you know, conference championship, Super Bowl, that's potentially what? Like five more, four more games. So it's like you go, that's double a season. Not to mention you're playing bigger guys. You're playing stronger guys and you're playing smarter guys. Practice completely different. Your body's changing still. You know, you might not recover as fast as you do. You might have to really work on your diet like I did and just really – you hit a wall. They, like, talk about the rookie wall. That shit is real. It hurts. You don't want to wake up. It's really – I'm kind That's of insane. fascinated by this. So, so when you, when you went to the Cowboys and had, when you when you get when you first get there, preseason, you're in the gym a lot. The strength conditioning is a big part of it, or is it is it more skill practice? Like, is it how's the week kind of divided up? I think for Dallas, the strength piece is a huge piece because Dallas, I don't think people realize is a big team. Like, yeah. especially when I first got there, and their their offensive line was like Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, um, Tyron Smith. Uh, Lyle Collins got there the same year I got there and they're just these are like physically huge people big, and they're strong like they're not beings, just yeah. they're not just freaking putty like they're they're rock solid and they had big corners they had linebackers like everyone was huge on Dallas team and, and it was kind of crazy because in preseason yeah we're doing a lot of strength we're doing a lot of conditioning I'm playing these guys that are arguably especially offensive line like one of the best and then you get to preseason game you see other peak teams and you're like oh they're not not so big. big. <laughs> right. yeah. And then, you know, being in other organizations later on, I realized, yeah, that was more, that was very a, a Dallas thing. Like professionally across the board, training is is similar, but for Dallas, they really pride Emph- themselves on it. being. Yeah. So so for, for if you take a, any given day, what does your day look like? Are you up at like? Oh, Lord. Uh, I like to get in the building early. Uh, that's just something I learned going in. Jason. Early like what, eight or seven or? Like six. Like six. Like six. Because, I mean, I when I got into the locker room, Jason Wynn was in the locker room. And right. he's someone I just like football royalty in my mind. Like, to play the game as long as he has, as great as he has. I was like, I just want to do what he does. Right. So I got there the first day. Like, I think I'm getting in early. It's like 7.38. And he's already, like, running through. They're like, hey, Jason. He's already getting his breakfast. He already worked out. He's doing his little rehab. He's doing what he's got. His prehab. He's doing what he's got to do. And I was like, okay, well, how early do I have to get here? <laughs> to right. get here when he does. Mm-hmm. Um so I roll in the building at six. You can work out either before everything at that time. You can work out during lunch, which I hated because lunch is like either most organizations do lunch like right before practice. Right. Um, or you can do it after practice, which is kind of around like dinner time and around all these other things. So I was like, that doesn't work for me. No. I just want to get in. Yeah. As you know here, like I just yeah, want to yeah. get in and get yeah, the yeah. work done. Sure, sure. <laughs> and and are, they, are they writing the program? Does the, the coach says writing the program for you when you're following the program? Or? Yeah, there's a yeah. strength condition, you know, whole staff and they, they got yeah. a program for guys. There are modifications for different positions of different guys yeah. um, for what you need. But yeah, so I wake up, I wake up at 5, 5.30, get in the building at 6. I'm hitting the workout. Um, I go eat breakfast. I Then you either, I want to get ready for practice. Our first meeting is probably around like, Maybe nine thirty ten if they're if they're like kind of want to have like a chill day. Um, so you get in the building. I'm in my playbook. 
Uh, I might get my ankles taped at that time just to be ready to hit the field when I need to. But you're in meetings probably pretty much all morning until maybe 2-3. A lot of teams release people like 2-33 and then let you do what you got to do for practice at like 4. Right. Um, then you're out of practice for a while. Probably a standard time is maybe three hours. Mm. Um, then you get out. Then, like I said, you either work out again or hit a hit your workout for the first time. A lot of people are in the training room getting ice, you know, getting, yeah, I was say, getting in those tubs, getting yeah. the recovery started. Um, and, of course, always in your playbook. Then we have meetings over the practice that we just watched and meetings about what's t- going to happen tomorrow. You might get out the building. If you're rushing, if you're like, I just need to get home for some reason, you maybe get out at like 630. Oh, um, okay. I probably left around like 738 mm-hmm. every day because it's also the coaches there. Like the coaches are going to be there all day. So you want to, you know, talk to the coach. Hey, how do you think this went? Hey, what do you think about this? Da-da-da. Like kind of get that one on one time, especially a young guy. You also then have special teams on top of that where most studs in college, you know, didn't play special teams. I'm glad to see that changing now. A lot of like star players are asking to play special teams because mm-hmm. they kind of know what it's, what it's going to be like on the next level. But I had never played special teams, not in high school, not in college. So I was like at a loss. So I'm in there with special teams coach trying to figure that out and get that work in. So I would leave the building maybe around like eight. I get home. They want you to kind of study at home on your own. But I'm just like eating, trying to recover. And I'm asleep by like maybe nine yeah, to wake up. That's a long day. At five Jeez. again. <laughs> and that's six days a week, seven days a week? That is um, six days a week. Obviously, you know, once the season starts, you got game day. And then you have the next day you come in and it's like a lighter. It's like um, a flush day. So it's like yeah. a lighter lift. And, and presumably like, the strength conditioning side of things tapers down once you're in season. Yeah. Oh God. Yes. Especially, especially like as the season progresses, the contact and practice goes down. Right. The strength condition kind of comes down a little bit. And it's more about just kind of like keeping what you got. Yeah. 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 That's great. So you're just Cowboys for one season. Uh, yeah. One full season. I get freaking injured. My rookie season, like I said, just not freaking having, just not being used to like the length and the physicality of the season. Um, so they put me on IR and I finish out the season on IR. And I come back that next offseason. I'm having off the field, really huge off the field issues. Um, I go through a super bad breakup at the time, which was, it sounds lame to say now, but really kind of detrimental to my mental health and well-being. Yeah, and sure. my best friend um, in college who I freaking loved and adored, roommate, teammate, just like everything, he is diagnosed um, with cancer oh, that cool. off season going, going into that season um, stage four spinal glioblastoma. So that oh. was just a, it was just a lot. Yeah. On my plate. yeah a lot to deal with. Yeah. And I yeah. unfortunately could not um, give 110% and be present uh, the way I needed to, to stay with the team. Yeah. So I get cut right before that season. I probably watched the first, two, three weeks of football, just kind of like hating it. <laughs> right, then, right, right, right. Uh, flying out and getting some tryouts and feeling kind of defeated because I think I'm like killing these tryouts. And then it's like, okay, well, we'll call you or something like that. And then I go out to Tampa. And Tampa, first of all, Tampa, Florida is the most humid place I've ever been in my life. <laughs> in my life. So we have this workout. It's me and one guy. Right. This is also the first workout where it's only two people. So we're like going back to back. The coach is running right. us. I feel 50 pounds heavier just from like the, the mug the, and the yeah. humidity and the sweat I'm now accumulating. And it was a good tryout. But out of all the, the workouts and tryouts that I had after Dallas was not my best whatsoever. Right, right, right. And right. I'm, I'm kind of like getting ready for like the same old thing. And you only bring like a little travel bag because you don't know. You yeah. don't know if you're staying or going. You might bring some essentials. And the guy's like, hey, you know, the coach will see you. He's like, we're going to 
sign you you're just and then you just stay like you don't go home oh, you don't shit. get your stuff like you don't go oh, get yeah. your car or whatever like okay coach i'll be back in two days you stay and not only do you stay if you had a morning trial you most likely are going to practice with the team later that day oh, shit. <laughs> wow. wow so that was that was my experience uh but it's awesome because you're just kind of like hyped up and yeah you have that's to, great you have to then catch thrill. up you know they're giving you this this playbook you're like oh god okay and then literally like that practice you're going in like it's <laughs> it's not like it's not like you get a day to watch like you're right. going in that day you just got off a plane like the day before it's craziness it's actual craziness but it's awesome it's also yeah. and you were there for two years right two yeah se- two so so my first season i i play a little bit i don't think i start a lot i get i think two and a half sacks um and then the next season i start i think 11 games um get three sacks a bunch of qb hits and Kind of get Tampa one of their best seasons until, of course, now that they have time. Right, right, right. Um, but kind of start to help turn that organization around. I get to meet great guys and players. Um, that team was really young, like Levante yeah. David, Quan Alexander was the team at the time. Uh, we had vets like Gerald McCoy, who was really good. Brent Grimes at the time was really good. Um, we still had Jameis Winston as a quarterback. So it was a very young, fresh team with a lot of talent. And now, you know, they add a few pieces. They get Tom Brady and – they're having success. Yeah. And it's cool to see guys like Mike Evans, who have been consistently great players in the league, uh, who just haven't really had an opportunity or recognition and finally get to perform on the biggest stage and right, have right, success. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that how that's all, how it's all happening, how it's all coming together for them. Um, and then you go, to the, you go back to the Bills in 2018, right? Back, yeah. to, back to your hometown. Yeah. So I, how did that happen? Oh, my God. So 2017 to Tampa, speaking of Tom Brady, actually – uh, we're playing the New England Patriots Thursday night football. It's like color rush. I'm in like my all red jersey. I'm feeling great. And I there's a play where I have to pretty much cover the running back out out the backfield. And it's a it's a blitz. So I should have a safety over top. Um, I'm not gonna say any names, but I do not have a safety over top. This <laughs> running back is like running as fast as <laughs> he can down the sideline. I'm keeping with him. I Tom Brady throws a ball as he does, like the perfect ball. I put my arm out to deflect it because I'm close. I'm pretty sure I nick it. Um, but James White's the running back. He catches it, and then I fall down on, like, my extended arm. And just with the momentum that I was running, I, like, roll over it. So basically, like, my left arm is out, and then I end up rolling over it, and it pretty much is, like, next to my right arm, pretty much, like, behind my back on the other side. So I'm, like, on the ground, just not yelling, not screaming, just kind of, like, about to pass out. I've never felt pain like that in my life. I've never had... Um, up to that point, even though I, I had like some injuries in high school, I never had any surgeries or anything like right. that. Um, but I just kind of get to my knees and I look at my arm and I like try to move it and it won't move. And it just like hurts every time I try to move it. So the doctors come and everybody comes and they're like, it's out. They're like, you know, your shoulder's out. Uh, we're going to put it back in. I'm like, okay, cool. Just put it in. Well, first, no, I'm sorry. Before that. So I'm trying to move my arm and like I've seen football movies as we all yeah. have. And I'm like, okay, in the football movies, they just put it back themselves. They just grab right. their arm and just like push it up. Yeah. So I attempt to do that myself. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to just throw this back in. <laughs> so I grab my arm, like my forearm, and I like shove it up. And then I just feel it kind of like slide out the back, like my shoulder, just kind of like go up and through the front and then just go through the back. And then at that point, I was like, yeah, okay, I think I need help. So oh, then my. the doctor comes and they get it situated. <laughs> and then he's literally, there's like a video of him. He gets it in, but then he's just, like, holding it and, like, walking me to the sideline. He's, like, just holding it up. Um, so so I get to the sideline. We go to the back. We do the x-rays and MRI. And they're just like, yeah, it's 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 just a mess. Um, oh, shit. 
me being the person who I was also knowing, like, I had signed a two-year coming out of Dallas with Tampa. I had signed a two. So this was, like, my contract year, so I need to do good. Um, so I was like, you know, they were like, you can have surgery, which will end your season. And, you know, it's still pretty early. We don't really know. You know, I didn't know if the team had seen enough to sign me back. They're like, or you could try to right. take a week off. Um, actually, I think I got two weeks. We had a bye week coming up, and then they were going to Arizona. They were like, you could take these two weeks and wear, like, a shoulder harness and try to play the rest of the game. I was like, okay, the rest of the season. Uh, so I did that. I took two weeks off. I wore this shoulder harness, which pretty much looks like um, a one-sided, like, straight jacket. I pretty much can't yeah, move. Yeah. Like, my left arm pretty much at all. And not, like, the cute, like, Velcro ones. I'm talking, like, the bell and, like, all the – it was crazy. It was insane. Uh, but I play the rest of the season. I get to, I sack Drew Brees. Oh, you, I sack Cam Newton. You did play the rest of the season. Yeah, oh, wow. I, I take two right. weeks off. I play the rest. I start – I probably started more after my shoulder injury than before uh, and have success. But also, it's just – it's a struggle. Like – it's hard enough, but then coming off, you already feel beat up after Sunday. So yeah. then coming Monday, coming in Monday and literally not being able to move my left arm at all. And then Tuesday, still can't really move it. And then Wednesday, and then guys are practicing. You know, it's contact. I can't really do anything. By Thursday, Friday, I can maybe practice a little bit. I'm like running around. Um, but you really are just trying to get good and like somewhat good serviceable to play the next, play game. The next sure. game. And so then what's, what's the, actual the cycle repeats. So then when I get, yeah, the season's over, I go to a doctor. I go to Dr. Andrews um, out in Pensacola, Florida. He's amazing. If anyone ever needs something, hopefully you don't. Uh, but then they take more x-rays and more MRIs. And, of course, the, the, the damage is significantly more than when I originally did it because yeah. I was playing on it. So I tore my rotator cuff, my AC. I dislocated my labrum's gone, oh, um, my subscap. It was really bad. It was – I went under – at like 11, they were like, you know, this will maybe be done. They're like, you should be done by like four. They're like, you know, if, if Dr. Andrews get in there, he'll see it. He'll scrape it up. I went under at, at like 11. I wake up. It's pitch black outside. Oh, shit. No one's in the hospital. The nurses are like kind of rolling me out. They're like, everyone left hours ago. Like, we're just trying to like, they're like, wake up. Like, you got to wake up. And I instantly, I like find my mom. Like, she's, my mom's there. I'm like, what happened? I was like, what, what happened? She was like, it is 845. Um... It just was way messier than anyone intended it to be. And the doctor told me the next day, he was like, I, there was a point where I didn't think I'd be able to do it. He was like, I, don't, I didn't think you'd be able to, to play, you know, like play football or really. He was like, even like throw a ball with your kids with his arm. He was like, but, you know, we got, <laughs> we got it done. Uh, the recovery is going to be intense, um, but we got it done and we'll just kind of see how it goes. So I set out for what was intended to be a 16-month uh, rehab. I think I got it done in 10 months. Oh, wow. Uh, so I get it done. It's funny. The Bills called me out for a workout um, kind of early on, like maybe eight months in. And I tell my agent, I'm going to do it. I was like, I'm just going to wear a brace that I have here, like a soft brace. I'm going to do it. And I get there and I actually did really well. But um, there's, of course, a physical and like a medical. Yeah. And the doctor's like, this isn't this isn't healed. Right. right and then right. the coaches, you know, that organization with um, Sean McDermott and everyone, I, I really do love that organization. They were, they are very honest and very just upfront, really about football, which mm -hmm. is hard to find in um, any multi-billion dollar cool. <laughs> sport or organization. Um, he was like, you know, we're going to, he was like, if something happens and we need someone or if camp rolls around and you're feeling better, he's like, we'll call you back out and we'll see. Uh, so they do that. Camp starts in like two weeks into camp. The Bills uh, call me back out. I go back out, kill the workout again. 
past the physical this time. They're like, of course, you need to wear. I have to sign an injury waiver and wear a brace, which is more into like just the politics of sports that we won't get into. Right. But I do it because I'm like, I want to play. Uh, and then I'm out there and I actually do really well. I grade as the highest um, D lineman in the preseason. The only issue is at that time they had acquired another defensive end from free agency who they paid a lot of money. They have Jerry Hughes, who is like a staple of Buffalo yeah. um, at that position. They had uh, Shaq Lawson, who's now with the Miami Dolphins, but at that time was their first round pick. And they were still trying to figure out what they wanted to do. A lot of roster moves. It was also a very young team who was trying to get success, which you know we're seeing it pay off now. Yeah. But they, they put a lot of work into that, shuffling that roster up. Um, so they were like, you know, we, we love what you did, but we don't feel comfortable enough going with – you and getting rid of these guys that we kind of already know. It's kind of more like the evil you know than the evil you don't know. Right, right. Uh, so I leave there and around like the time of my recovery and really around before I, right before I get to Buffalo, my best friend who's been fighting cancer now for a little over a year passes away. Right. So in my life, it's like I feel like I've really fought for football, but in some sense lost it. And then my best friend was really fighting for his life and, and ended up losing it. And I just felt really like other than football, I had nothing else in my life to really be happy of or proud of or feel fulfilled by. And I just got to like a really dark place where I was like, I need to really love myself, not for what I do or for what I like bring or for this sport that I've been blessed and gifted to play. Um, but just love myself because I love because myself. Because up until this point, you've basically defined yourself as a football, football player, player, right? And that's all that's you define yourself as. And and people don't understand, like, especially the NFL, it kind of takes that, that like, the NFL is not, like, just a sport. This is a whole lifestyle. Like, yeah. everything is about be playing better. Like, yeah. and that includes how late you stay out and hang out with friends. That includes, you know, your dating life and how you situate that. It includes what you eat. That includes every, it's everything. Everything will either negatively infect, affect or positively affect how you play yeah that's it yeah uh so a lot of the things in my life i viewed as not necessarily waste of time but just like this isn't going to make me a better football player so i'm not doing it Mm -hmm. Uh, one of those things is also just loving myself and being honest with myself yeah um outside of sports so you make a kind of conscious decision to come to la at that point and i did i visited la a few times and it was just so different from like growing up in dallas or even like in playing in indiana and all these things you know florida it was just so much more relaxed and so much more like normally in Dallas, I guarantee you, you go to, you go with me anywhere in Dallas. It doesn't matter if we're going to church. It doesn't matter if we're going to a grocery store. It doesn't matter where we're going. People will stop and stare. They will just stare. They'll stare at me. They might follow me. They'll, they'll probably ask you questions. Cause a lot of the times, especially for a big, uh, a large black man, if I'm going to a nice restaurant, a nice mall, whatever it is, the first question is kind of like, how did you get here? So everyone's kind of, they're looking at me, and of course it's because my size too. But they're like, "What do you do? What do you, what do you do? Right. Like, what's going on?" And you know, sometimes I tell them football, and sometimes I just say other. They're like, no, that's not it. It's like right. you don't. That's not it. And it's just like, oh wow, okay. I can't be a rocket scientist because I'm like six <laughs> five and like two fifty. Um, but it's right. just a lot of that. And I came to L.A. and no one stared. No one cared who I was unless yeah. I was like Brad Pitt or somebody. Like no one, no one gave a damn. Um, and I loved that. Yeah. And it was just kind of this freedom. It was so many different people doing different things and young people um, really just chasing whether it be their art or their craft or success or just happiness or love. It was just so different from what I was used to. And I was like, I really love it here. Like, I really like it here. And I got linked up with a lot of great people that were into the same things I was into, whether it be writing or poetry or spoken word or just some type of art. 
um, art form. And I also hadn't experienced a lot of that. So I was like, in my mind, even in visiting in the off season, so I was like, one day I'm going to move to LA. I was like, I'm going to play football. I'm going to get the big contract. And I'm going to buy the house. And then it got to the point where I was like, there's no perfect time. You know what I mean? Like there's, right. I can't wait for a B or C. Like if I'm going to do it, then I need to just do it for me. So had you I always did. been a writer before you moved to LA or it's crazy. I had, but I didn't know writing was like a thing. Like right. it was, I had written from a very young age, um, mostly poetry at first, but then I had, of course advanced to like more just like short story and long form writing. And I didn't know, I didn't know it was a thing. I always excelled in English classes. Everyone who any, who read anything I wrote was like, oh, this is awesome. I didn't know it was a major. I didn't know writing was like a major in college. I didn't know people like, I don't know. I don't know what I thought it was. I didn't know people like actually just wrote for like a living. Right, so I never right. really pursued it because I was like, I do football for a living. Uh, but I had always written. And then I get to L.A. and people were like, yeah, you could write literally anything. They were like, you could write TV shows. You could write, you know, for magazines. You could write books. You could write for pocket, like all types of stuff. And I was like, yes. And they're like, okay, which one? I was like, no, all of it. Yes. Like, I want to do all of it. Yeah. Um, so I started doing that. I actually published a poetry book um, April 2019th of that year, which was kind of a whirlwind because at that point it was kind of everything that I almost hadn't say. And it was on the cusp also of my own like coming out journey. Uh, so on August, I should know this date. August 29th, uh, 2019. That's it. I came out as bisexual, which I, one, never thought I would do, and two, the the date and the timing so significant because literally a week before then, I had got a call from the San Francisco 49ers um, for a tryout. So I went out to San Francisco, and there was me and like five other guys, and I killed it. Like, completely killed the workout. I was like, I'm going to... I knew in my heart I was going to get signed. And then at that time, I was in a relationship with a man. So after having this killer workout and kind of come off this high, which I had experienced in football before. I had had great highs in football before and then felt either them diminish or me hold back or me not even be fully present in this moment because of things like my sexuality or my identity or who I was. And I'd felt that happening again. And in my mind, I was already thinking how to either hide my relationship or hide who I was or what to do. I was like, okay. I was like, well, he'll be in LA and I'll be here. So it'll be fine. And we could visit maybe by weeks or Austin. You know, I'm already kind of doing that in my mind. I'm like, I don't want to do that. And I meet with the, the GM and I meet with the head coach and they were like, you know, you're great. You're awesome. They were like, um, a player that we had went down the other day. That's why we had this workout. We thought it was like over for him, but it's not. It's just a sprain. He's going to come back. It was like, so we'd rather sign a guy we could kind of just like put on practice squad or just like whatever with than like sign you. And then we have to make all of these movements because he's not going to IR now. So it's like, right. He, we don't have that spot technically anymore. Um, they're like, but anything happens, we'll give you a call. They're like, you know, it's awesome. We'll put out good word for you, all this stuff. So, and I never happened. Like I'd been to many trials before and, Killed it. And never see the GM. You never right. see like the heck. Like you never see these people unless you get signed. Uh, so that was a great sign for me. I was like, okay, football, like I still got it. Like it's still here. Yeah, yeah. But um, there are going to be moments where you need to, there are going to be moments that should be the best moments in your life. And you need to figure out why those aren't the best moments in your life. Right. Um, yeah. And part of that was me not being just honest with who yeah. I was. So that next week I came out and I guess it was like, I guess it was like a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was a big deal. <laughs> and at, at the mo- at the moment, I was just like, I just want to be happy. I just want to play yeah. football, and I just want to be in my relationship. And I just want to just. Did it feel like less of a big deal because you were in LA, and it's not so much of a big, big deal here, or maybe I don't know. Like, like if you were in Dallas, and you like, it would have been. Oh my god! If I was in Dallas, yeah, that would have been. Yeah, that probably. I mean, 
And and at the time, I had been doing so many things that I never thought I would do. This, I guess, was just kind of one more of those things uh, than we did. I did like a like a, a journalist um, journalism TV segment on ESPN, and that was how the announcement was made. And then the New York Times is calling, and the Washington Post is calling, and all these all these people are calling me and blowing up my phone, and I'm getting you know support, but all in the back end, you know, I'm getting a lot of of the usual yeah, you know things. Yeah. Um, and it kind of takes on a life of its own. Yeah. It's it's people are throwing around that first word that I said I'm like scared about. They were like, you know, the first active NFL player to da 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 because you know Michael Sam came out before he got in, um, and then didn't make the regular season unfortunately. And then we've had players come out when they retired, but we never had anyone come out when they were actively pursuing their football career. Um, so it was, if it wasn't a big moment for everyone else, it's definitely a big moment for me. You know, it's sure. the hugest moment of my life. And well, it's 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 kind of fascinating because it's it's not just in America. You know, even in in in, in England, uh, with with soccer, with with football in England, mm-hmm. like it's it's still like a, a taboo thing. And yeah, you know, I don't, I still don't think any any there's any like active player today who's who's come out like no that they exists. love telling me that they're like you're the only player in any male profession right in the big five to yeah, come which, out which, I was like, which eh. is crazy because like i get it know, <laughs> yeah it's, it's so crazy and uh, it's just it's just so strange how it still exists yeah because like, you like because when you're in la and you know you, you're you know everything's so yeah. open but then there's still this stigma in sports that's just and doesn't go away. Just literally go away. everywhere else. Politicians, we see, you know, queer politician people in LGBTQ plus community and politicians in entertainment, obviously, literally every other field except yeah. male sports. And even if we look at, at the counterpart of that, um, women's professional sports, women's professional sports is hugely progressive, hugely politically active as well. I mean, even just seeing in this past year and a half what the WNBA has done for Black Lives Matter and just for mm-hmm. equality and all Super, and they have the full support of their leagues. You know, they have the most of them have the full support of, of their teams and their owners. Uh, and I'm just like, why aren't we doing that in male sports? There's so much power in male sports. You know, we have, you know, when LeBron James speaks up, there shouldn't be someone on the other end telling him to shut up and dribble. Like that shouldn't right, happen. Right, like right. this is this is LeBron James. Like I'm pretty sure he knows what he's doing on the court, and he's someone, yeah, who has a lot of influence and a lot of power and can do a lot of good off the court. And if he wants to do that. Why would you stop him? (laughs) And at what stage of your football career did you kind of know you were bisexual? And and how long did you have to kind of live with that kind of like fear? I I kind of figured it out, not even figured it out. The question came up in my mind in college. And I told my best friend, um, like I said, who isn't with us now, in college. Right. And at that time, there's so much misinformation about bisexuality. I'm not going to get into all that. But like, I didn't know that was like a real thing either. Bisexual and writing, literally the two things I do now. Didn't know they were real things. Um, and and I, I was like, okay. So in my mind, growing up in Texas, I'm like, am I turning gay? I was like, is that what happens? Right. Uh, so in, so in, then I have an experience with a guy. I'm like, okay, yeah, I like that. And then I start dating a girl and I fall in love with her. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but I still like that. I was like, so I really don't know. And then the NFL's like, hey, we want you. So I'm like, oh, okay, I just won't figure this out. Right. Like, I'll just this everything just do something went, else. Went on pause. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, your emotional development went on pause, basically. Definitely. Um, so now now we're in LA and you're yeah. still writing, obviously. And that's a, that's a frequent thing. And you're still actively pursuing the football yes. thing. How do you kind of see the next few years panning out what what do you in your ideal world how does yeah. this look oh my god well i'm writing my memoir now i have um this is gonna be a movie right 
another system. <laughs> maybe, been, shoot. It, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, let's speak that into existence. Yeah. Um, so the, I, it's cool. I've been working with um, a lit agent and um, people at Avitus Creative Management to get that done. And we're in the final stages of that proposal and getting that worked out. So that so in a perfect world, that book starts getting into production. I've written a lot of it. We get that out. I get a call from whoever, whenever, go play football there. And I just do what I was put on this earth to do, which is play football and write and love who the hell I want to love. So yeah, that's, that's my awesome. perfect, that's <laughs> my great. perfect world. Because how old are you now? Just 20, I just turned twenty nine. So oh yeah, happy birthday for this week. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I, saw I, that. I just turned. I just turned twenty nine, and I feel great. I mean, you see me moving around. Yeah, so hopefully I, I move around. This great. guy, this guy can fucking move. <laughs> trust me. Um, so I, I think throughout this whole thing, like you, you've shown amazing strength, like through all this, this, this. Everything that you've encountered, whether it be like, you know, the sexuality thing or the, the injuries or the loss of your yeah. friend, where does that, where does that strength come from? Does it come from your mother? I mean, you mentioned your mother and I'm, I'm thinking. Definitely. I think it definitely comes from my mom just being a single mother in any, any time and any, you know, no matter where you live or the color of your skin or anything like that, it's hard. Like yeah. being a parent, as you know, is hard yeah. yeah for sure um and my mother not only never backed down she always not just roast the occasion but overseeded it and i had an amazing childhood i didn't have a lot we didn't have a lot of money we didn't have a lot of things but i felt so loved and so protected mm-hmm. and so cared for and my mom she, she never let anything phase her like of course she's a human being you know I, I found out as i was older she had to of course love herself and find ways to take care of herself um, but as my, as just my mom, she was awesome. She was always there for me, no matter what. I always got everything I needed and then some. Uh, and I wanted to be like that for her in return. Of course, once I went to the NFL and started making money and just for anyone in my life, you know, I want to be there for them no matter what I'm going through, no matter what life throws at me. If they tell us no, we'll find someone to tell us yes, or we'll just right. make it a yes. We'll make it ourselves. Um, so that definitely comes from my mom. And a lot of it comes from also football which is why i'm still so like i will not speak badly on football on sports culture just to speak badly of course there are there are comments and there are challenges and there are critiques as we all have of anything that we love or anyone that we love like the fact that i love football and specifically the nfl organization it pushes me to further the NFL and to to challenge them the same way that they've challenged me just so that it could be a better league for not just me, but people coming up into football, people sure. who watch football yeah. around the world and all these things. But football gave me a lot of that discipline. I didn't have a lot of male figures in my life that other than coaches, you know, I didn't have brothers. I was I grew up as like a single as a single kid uh, to a as a single kid um, and football team and teammates that was my first like brotherhood right like yeah. i i, I got, got a lot of so value much. from that yeah, yeah i got so much from that accountability yeah. um res- you know being respect hard work dedication all of these things uh, and if you could wake up at 6 a.m and freaking knock heads with the best of them you could wake up at 6 a.m and do anything like yeah, that's just that's just sure. my mindset it's like people yeah. are teach you to be tough huh yeah it's just like yeah. it's no point in me complaining about this now i've done such harder things right for sure. How do you feel about the kind of like um, the future of the NFL in terms of the you know the, the concussions and the injuries and that, and that mm-hmm. sort of things moving forward? I I haven't seen the movie Concussion. My mom saw it and she like had nightmares and was like calling me like don't play football and I was just right. like I'm not gonna watch it because I already you know I I'm a bright and intelligent guy. I know what I I need to know about concussions and I know if my body 
is ever, especially from the shoulder. Like if there's ever comes a question against just like my health and well-being and playing football, I will choose my health and well-being. Um, but I, I like where the league is going in terms of just being definitely more conscious. They make just different decisions. There's different rules now, which people feel a certain way about the rules sometimes when they change. But, mm. you know, if it stops you from getting a concussion, then yeah. that's it's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think you want to be a parent? Yeah, definitely. I definitely want to be a parent. I don't know. Right now, I'm thinking like just, uh, you know, man on man coverage, just like one kid. Uh, as soon as you get like more than like two or three, then y'all got to go to zone coverage and you got to. I don't know about all that, but I, I, I definitely I definitely would like to be yeah. a father. And I think you make a great father. And, thank you. Um, I appreciate that. I can personally recommend it. It's the best thing. It really is. It's, yeah. Um, and I wanted to ask you, like, if you were to, like, give advice to kind of like your 10-year-old self, having gone through everything you've gone through, what would that yeah. advice be? Oh, my God. 10-year-old me. 10-year-old me. Honestly, I would tell 10-year-old me specifically to always bet on yourself. There's times, especially growing up, where for whatever reason, whether it be society telling you you can't do something or whether it be a parent trying to protect you, telling you, hey, you know, don't do this. Don't act like this. Don't. Always bet on yourself. Because at the end of the day, like, whether I live in L.A., Dallas, Tampa, anywhere, I wake up with me and go to sleep with me every night. You know, I look at me in the mirror every day. No matter what's going on, I'm with me. Like, I'm the best teammate I got. So at the end of the day, if it's a decision about how I need to live my life, what I need to do with my life, what makes me happy, I'm betting on me. I'm doing what's best for me in that sense. And I feel like, you know, there's a lot of things in the world that take us away from that. A lot of it, it's disguised as like, don't be selfish or disguised as like, oh, well, that just doesn't, we just don't do that. Or like, that's just not how football works. That's just not how, you know, that's, and that's bullshit. Most of it, if I'm being honest, because if something's put in your heart, if you were brought in this world, if I was brought in this world to be a poet and be a writer and be bisexual and be a football player, then all those things go together because that's why I was brought here. That's yeah. who I am. Like, I love that. That's just what it is. <laughs> awesome. It's so cool. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's, it's been me. great to talk to you. And um, I think you'll all agree, guys. That's an amazing an amazing story. Uh, Russ is a great guy, an amazing guy. And um, we're so grateful to have him here at Faros. And um, yeah, we'll uh, catch you soon. Thanks, thank you. Russ. Appreciate it. That was awesome. Boom.